This podcast is presented by DistroKid, an incredible service for musicians that helps you upload your songs to all music streaming platforms from iTunes to Spotify and Apple Music, then pays you revenue from your songs all in one place. They've got a really cool new feature called Splits that allows you to add collaborators so you can pay your co-writers and fellow musicians without needing an accountant. To get 30% off your first year's DistroKid subscription, just head to distrokid.com slash VIP slash hard times. Welcome to the first ever podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bohm. This is episode 108. And if it's your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. My guest this week is Sonia Weber of the band Alien Boy. They dropped a single back in July, a song called Wondering Still through Get Better Records that is absolutely awesome. They put out a record back in 2021 called Don't Know What I Am that was on so many year-end lists that uh, I was late to. A bunch of friends were recommending it, and then when I finally checked it out, I said, what took me so long? This band is so good. So it was really awesome to talk to Sonia. This is a really awesome conversation. I want to let you know, if you happen to be new here, that there is a bonus episode available right now over on the Patreon, if you go to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon, where Sonia answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. Uh, that's a common thing that happens over on the Patreon. There's always these bonus episodes. I do radio shows that happen here on the platform every other Monday. But if you subscribe to the, to the uh, Patreon, you get them every Sunday. That means two extra bonus ones a month. We got a Discord channel. We're doing all sorts of stuff over there. It's a really fun community that I'd love for you to join. It helps support the show. And uh, it's just really nice, you know? Just keeps uh, keeps me happy, keeps me motivated. Um, hey, I leave for tour soon. I leave for tour in just a couple weeks. Um, Touche Amore will be supporting Coheed and Cambria in Thrice in Europe and the UK. So if you're over there, why don't you go check those dates you can see them over at touchamore.com slash tour. And also in the U.S., we will be supporting the Menzingers uh, with Screaming Females. So that's going to be a full U.S. tour that starts in early November and goes till mid-December. So come out, check the dates, touchamore.com slash tour. Uh, we're probably coming to your city. And if we're not, I'm sure you've told us in the comments that we're not coming to your city and that you're mad at us. And for that, I say, I'm sorry. It's not my, it's not my decision. It's rarely my decision. You know, you know, (sighs) what else? What else? I don't know. Um, I've been doing a lot of interviews to prepare for when I'm on tour. So um, don't worry. I'm not going anywhere. The show is going to keep pumping out every Wednesday. Uh, So don't, 
don't you fret. I'm uh, I'm I'm well stocked. We've had a lot of really lovely, lovely, lovely conversations here, and I'm excited for them to come out. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Sonia Weber. Hey, Sonia, how are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good today. How are you? Doing all right. Um, you're wearing a Super Crush shirt. I have that exact same shirt. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're I love Super Crush. Yes, I fucking love Super Crush. The band so is much. awesome. Uh, so did fun. I? Did you recently play with them, or are you playing? Yeah, you did, right? Yeah, we played like four shows with them at the end of their big tour. Um, and yeah, I've been like a huge fan for a really long time, and honestly, always wanted them to think that I was cool. And then when they asked me, I was like, finally. it's it's funny how it's those little things now and again you know like the people you sort of you put in your head where you're like you're like oh man i'd love for one day to know that these people yeah even even though i exist it dug some weird groove like a long time ago i like remember the first time that i heard that i don't want to be sad anymore song and my friend janie showed me the music video and we watched it like 10 times in a row and i was like i've never seen anything this perfect looking and cool sounding in my life and ever since then i was just like you know alien boy is cool but this band is cool cool and i like want them to know who i am <laughs> exactly and i appreciate that the singer is like a uh a, a very fit almost character out of dazed and confused or something like that he always he always has a very very cool looking 70s style to him i'm like must be nice it's perfect. He is, yeah, he like looks like a, a cartoon character or somebody from Dazed and Confused. Uh, yeah. I feel like, yeah, even when I was like starting to talk to him when we were playing those shows together, I was like so nervous, but then he's just like so, so sweet. Like <laughs> it was just so, like he, it, it just exceeded my expectations in every way. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So where were those shows? It was, we played one show in Caldwell, Idaho at this place called The Manor um that's like 40 minutes outside of Boise that was just a house show and it was so fun and then we played in Bend which was our first time playing in Bend which was also really cool and then we played in Portland at Blackwater our like local spot and then we played their record release show in Seattle that was it oh wow so yeah quite a few yeah just a couple (laughs) yeah that's awesome uh are you from Portland originally yep born and raised never moved yeah (laughs) yeah yeah I mean, I, I always feel like if you find someone who's born and raised in Portland, it's like even more rare than finding someone who's born and raised in Los Angeles, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. Is that the case with you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My cool. whole band, we're all born and raised L.A. kids. But Same, uh, same with us, yeah. yeah. All of you are from Portland originally. All of us are from Portland except for our new fifth member who's from Denver. Okay. Okay. Well, you yeah. know, you still you still get the majority. Uh is that exactly. like has that been like a has that been like a point of pride almost in the band? I mean, yeah, it I I think that it's really cool and it's fun that every time we get interviewed, everybody's like, Really? And we're like, Yeah, really. And they're like, <laughs> Not just you, all of you, and I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't really think about it until people are like coming back at me being like oh, pretty impressive or whatever, you know. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> It's it's uh the obvious ones are always like L.A. and New York, where it's like, you know, a lot of transplants. And then I feel like the second tier is Portland and like Austin. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Definitely. Yeah. Like Portland, Austin, Philly. Yeah. 
Oh, Philly. Yeah, that's another great call. Yeah, that's a good shout definitely. for sure. Uh, well, that's awesome. Um, when you were, the first question I usually ask musicians is, um, when you were growing up, what was the first thing that you connected with musically that felt like it was yours? Maybe not something that was being played in the house, but something that maybe you discovered on your own. Portland being yeah. such a cool music city. I'm curious what this could be. I mean, it's like kind of the classic story until later on when I got that like kind of Port more Portland influence. But um, I like grew up being really into just like boy bands and stuff like the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. And I always, I like adored that stuff, Britney Spears too, everything. Um, but it was like really slowly in elementary school, it was like somebody showed me a Blink-182 song and somebody showed me an All-American Rejects song. And then it was like, I heard, like I went over to my friend's house and she was like, I just got this good Charlotte CD and it has the enhanced DVD on it. And we watched it and I was just like, this is my life now. Like I am committed. This is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. I need to go play guitar right now and like wear black clothes. Like I didn't even know what Hot Topic was yet. And when I found out about Hot Topic, that was crazy. But <laughs> it was like, I remember that moment, like going, yeah, going over to my friend Laura's house, her being like, my brother got the CD. It has like all of this extra, all these extra videos on it. And I was just watching it over and over again because I had just never seen anything like it. Um, oh, that's and that awesome. was it. I was sold after that. <laughs> It's an interesting couple of years there too, because, and this is no put down to good Charlotte or anything like that, but because that's like so like hooky and like very well produced songs, mm -hmm. like your brain is already kind of wired to liking the boy band hooks and things exactly. like that. It's like, it's not like a jarring, like, oh, this is really aggressive. It's just like, oh, this is one style of very poppy hooks to another style of very poppy yeah, hooks. Yeah, definitely. It was like a clear shot. But I was like, had no second thought about the aesthetic stuff. I was like, this is who I am going to be now. I did not know who I was before. And I am whatever this is, which was, you know, a very long road to figure out what that actually meant for me. But I was like, sold done sure Let's so go. you were so i'm assuming you were you were probably glued glued to your tv for uh for the trls of that oh time. yeah i loved trl yeah i loved all of that stuff i loved like this was a little bit later but i always talk about how like every morning when i was eating breakfast for school i'd watch the mtv2 rock countdown and okay. my mom would i would never be able because i'd have to go catch the bus and i'd never be able to actually see who got number one um but then my mom would text me and tell me Aww. about number one every day yeah that's really cool that's really cool yeah. was it was it often who you expected yeah at the time it was always green day we were always hoping that it was green day yeah because that was kind of like the next stage it was like good charlotte all of that stuff like kind of got into like it, it didn't go much deeper than that in that moment and then it was like i got really into green day and then i was just like that was even bigger than Good Charlotte, honestly, but it's not like that first moment. Was that American Idiot, probably? Oh, yeah, yeah. I had international super hits before that, and I had Dookie before that, but then when American Idiot came out, I was like, again, I'm super dramatic. I go like, oh, I was like, this is my life now again. I found sure. a new, like, I was like, this is all I care about. <laughs> Yeah. Did you, had you gone back and found Dookie and, well, I mean like those songs were always kind of present um, yeah. on, on like, you know, rock radio and everything like that. But was you, 
getting Dookie like a way of kind of going back and doing a little bit of homework on some of that stuff? Or was that even on yeah. your mind? Yeah. To, I mean, I just, I took in all of it. Like as soon as like that split switched in my brain, the switch flipped in my brain. Sorry. Um, as soon as that happened, I just like, couldn't get enough. I like listened to, I like had all, all of the CDs and listened to everything. And it was like about the whole thing. And I like learned right. everything about them. I was like super freaky, dorky. Like, I feel like everybody at my school was like, oh, that's like the weird Green Day kid. You know, it was like, it was intense. Honestly, didn't think that I was going to delve too much into like my big dorkiness right away. But, you know, that's kind of my that's style. That's what we do. That's what we do here. Okay, cool. Great. Yeah. And then what was Love the first concert it. you went to? Kind of in the same thing. So it's like I went to see the Backstreet Boys and I loved that. But in fifth grade, Good Charlotte and Newfound Glory um, were doing the like Honda Civic tour together. Oh, and right. I like talked my dad into taking me and my friend for my birthday. And we got all like dressed up like funky style to go because I was like 10 or something like that. And it was a... Uh, yeah, it just blew my mind. I think like MXPX played too or something like that. Um, but then, yeah, I don't know. There's I kind of like categorize all of that stuff in like little different ways in my brain where it was like, yeah, I went to go see like uh, the Backstreet Boys when I was younger and I loved that. And like I went to like other shows with my parents too because my parents really like music. And then like had that big experience being so into like rock adjacent music and seeing Good Charlotte. Um, but then over like the next couple of years had all of these other different experiences going to like different kinds of shows that like all of them kind of feel like different firsts, you know? Got it. Got it. That's cool that your parents were so supportive and like so engaged in that stuff. Um, What were, I mean, just out of curiosity, what were they listening to when you were growing up? Uh, They were listening to like, my dad likes a lot of reggae and my parents both grew up in New York and liked like the Ramones and the Clash and like, uh, new wave stuff and they're both like huge Bruce Springsteen fans and then just like kind of classic stuff like the Beatles and the Stones um, but for a really long time I was like not interested in what they were listening to like it took me until probably like like the end of middle school to be like oh yeah like the Ramones are cool or whatever I was just like not as much with that but it like took me a really long time I guess like Bruce Springsteen's the big one where it's like I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan now but I was like this sucks for ever like i was such an ass about it um yep. but yeah they like cool shit 100 that's awesome that's yeah. super cool um and then so when did you start playing an instrument right around that same time too it was like saw that they had guitars i was like taking piano lessons i was taking like group piano lessons for no real reason other i don't like i was like i don't think it was like my own thing but i was doing it with my friends and uh found out that people it's like funny I don't know what I thought before I saw that video of good Charlotte but I just hadn't even thought about the electric guitar before like nothing was in my mind and then I saw that and I was like I obviously have to play the electric guitar and then kind of like finagled my way like I did a girls rock camp and they like let me borrow a guitar for a while and I just like played constantly all the time and then eventually like got my own guitar and started taking lessons and yeah this was about when I was like probably like 11 or 12 or something like that after that you know kind of jumping ahead I didn't really play guitar again until I started Alien Boy because I was mostly playing drums and bass in other people's bands and became like primarily a drummer at some point down the line 
um, just from like my friends playing guitar and needing a drummer and then me like learning. And I was like, I guess I can do this. I don't know. Sure. Um, but then just getting way more comfortable with it and being really shy. I like didn't want to be like in the front uh, playing guitar or anything like that. So I kind of just like pushed it aside until like sure. my early 20s again. Um, but I started playing guitar. Yeah. When I was like 10 or 11. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in the in the you coming around and getting into the getting to the front of the to the front of the stage thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But just out of curiosity, because I actually haven't had anyone on the show talk about um, those kind of camps before. Uh, yeah. What was that experience like? And were they like kind? Did they have a curriculum of like, oh, these are the kind of things, or was it like, what do you want to learn, and we'll teach you how to do it? The girls' rock camp was pretty like was pretty all alternative so it was like we didn't learn covers at all I didn't do it for very long I ended up like um doing other music classes elsewhere which is where I met like most of my bandmates and stuff but those like first kind of things that I was doing it was like uh we would have like yeah group guitar lessons where I remember like each one of us got to pick a song and we they like made us a cassette tape of the song so I have one that's like a stroke song a Metallica song like all of this kind of like random shit. Um, and we'd all learn all of them. And then we would be separated into bands or we would just have to like write our own songs. And it would be like once, I didn't actually do the camp. I guess I did like the after school thing. So we'd meet like once a week. And then like at the end of a couple of months, we'd try to do a showcase or something. Um, but it's all like, I've worked in like rock camp stuff. That's like my main job is I'm like a music teacher. So it's all kind of the same. It's like, you take a lesson, you do something as a group, you perform as a group at the end. Yeah. Okay. Was that good? You know, one of the first, one of the questions I always ask people is like first shows. And I know that's a little different, but what was that uh, first time performing like in that kind of a showcase? What was that like? And were you playing guitar? I was playing guitar for the very first one. And I was so scared, so scared. And I think there, there's like kind of like two, it was like that kind of earlier on. And then when I started taking lessons somewhere else too, there was like another experience like that where in the first one, I just remember being like totally terrified. Um, and honestly, like, it's so fuzzy. Like, I feel like I just kind of like dissociated through it. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. This is so freaky. And then the second time being really nervous up until when it happened and then being like, I'm good. This will be fine. I got it. Um, and then okay. kind of just like riding, riding that energy through being like an extremely shy kid and being like, but I can handle this. And this is something that I really want to do. Okay, nice. Uh, what do you remember that you played? Like what, what, or so you said it was, it wasn't covers. It was originals, right? What were they yeah, like? Yeah, the very first one was, oh, I don't know. This is something that I wonder <laughs> about all the time. Cause it's like, also when, I don't know if you can relate to this, but before, For me, when I'm like learning a new instrument, which has been a while since I did that, but I talk about it so much with my students that I feel like I'm kind of thinking about it all the time. But there's like this period of time where you're like playing an instrument and you can't really connect the sounds to the physical things that you're doing. So when I think about those songs, I'm like, I had no idea what they sounded like when I was playing them. Like I was just like, it was just what was happening. Like there was something in my brain that wasn't totally connected yet. Um, I'm sure I was trying to make it sound like good Charlotte, but like, I didn't know what I was doing. I have no (laughs) idea. You know, I have no clue. And it's like, yeah, teaching kids too, when they're trying to write their own songs, it's like, they barely even remember, like every week I come back and they're like, 
I'm like, okay, do you guys want to play this song that we wrote last week? And they're like, I don't remember how to play it. And I'm like, you guys, this is crazy. Just until they get to that point where their brain is like really connected to the sounds that they're making. It's so hard to keep it all straight. I don't know. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh, I'm so thankful for the voice memo. I feel like if, you know, when, when Touche started, we used to, I used to bring like a, one of those like shitty digital cameras to uh-huh. practice and like video that us. makes sense yeah that's cool it was like too. Be- it was before the it was before iphones or like before yeah. iphones had like quality anything so like right. i still have on a hard drive somewhere some of the most janky like <laughs> terrible videos dude that- you know that somebody's gonna want to see that shit someday that is gonna be like a prized possession of somebody's at some point. Oh. If you ever let it, if you ever let it out of the, you know, the vault. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, uh, I have to make sure they actually exist. I know they're on a hard drive somewhere, but yeah, pretty, pretty tough. But, but yeah, I mean, that's that's awesome that you have that as a tool. Um, do you enjoy the teaching aspect? Like, how long have you been doing that? I've been doing that for like twelve years. I did it like I started teaching years. like right when I was when I turned eighteen. Um, wow. And yeah, I just kind of like got into a situation where it was like, I just kind of got like grandfathered in to this spot and uh, was super young. And they like randomly one day the drum teacher quit and they were like, do you want to just have like a whole roster of drum students? And I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm not going to say no. And then just like kept on going with that for a long time, had a big falling out with them. And now I just teach on my own. Okay. And it's been awesome. Yeah, that's like my main my main gig. Um and I awesome. love it. I it's like it's a lot of it's like a lot of emotional energy because I like I come at it from a place of like pretty intense like care for all of my students and like really I like take it pretty seriously so that part can be really exhausting. Um but it gives me so much energy too. Like I like love being excited about music through the stuff that my students are working on and getting to like go back through stuff that I really liked before and see them get into it or like when they show me something new or I show them something new and it yeah it's just a very very special part of my little life I love it awesome so then what was the first band you ever did both of all the bands that I started in high school are with Caleb and Derek who are in Alien Boy too um but around the same time me I met Derek uh who plays drums in Alien Boy at the place that we were taking music lessons. And then I met Caleb just like around cause he went to my high school. Um, and me and Derek started a, like, like a punky band called mind pollution when I think we were like 15 or something like that. Oh, yeah. where he played guitar and I played bass and it was all just kind of like fast, kind of like cheesy, kind of anti-flaggy kind of stuff, you know? Um, and then Caleb was really into like death cab and indie rock and stuff like that. And was starting like a kind of indie rock band like that and found me. And he was like, we don't have a drummer. I need you to play drums. And I was like, I don't really play drums, but like, I guess I can. Um, and so that was kind of like a three piece, uh, uh, indie rock band. But, um, my friend always said that it sounded like if like the drummer of black flag was trying to play in like death cab or something like that it was just like really all over the place uh because okay. i like, not i couldn't tone it down i was like always just going like 100 <laughs> sure what did you uh when did you realize you could really play drums or were you sort of forced into the role like hey you should uh we need a drummer you should play these drums i was forced into the role but i took the role very seriously as i do with most things in my life and 
um, it just really quickly went to the top where I was like, I feel so much more comfortable at this. Um, and was being asked to play drums in like other people's bands a lot more. Um, and like, I guess to go back for a second, Star Party lasted like all, that's the indie rock band with Caleb. It started, it lasted like all through high school. So we were a band for like four or five years or something like that. And we played a lot of shows and we like played some shows in Washington, like not like touring, touring or anything, but we like really, we went around. Uh, and I think by the end of that, I was like, and like the middle of that, I was established as this being like the main thing that I was doing is I was like playing drums and bands. So, you, I mean, you mentioned you went up to Washington. So were you doing like Weekend Warrior sort of tour, like, you know, not yeah. again, not not really tour, but like going, like driving, driving up north. You were probably making friends uh, with other bands like locally up up there yeah. and everything like that. Um, was that I'm assuming that was like the first time you started to sort of feel the community of like what music can be. Definitely. Yeah. All of the big firsts all happened. Well, not the big, big first, but a lot of like my first experiences all happened with that band, even though we didn't like, I think that when we broke up, we were like on the verge of being like, we got to take this really seriously and start like touring or like recording better or something like that. But then it was just kind of like end of high school. Everybody wanted to do different things. It got kind of like emotional as it always does, you know? (laughs) Um, And it all kind of just like fell apart, which was the, honestly the perfect timing for that. Like no, I do not wish that I was still in that band, but um, uh, yeah, it was the first time that I, you know, we were playing shows, people were coming to our shows, we were making friends with other bands in Portland, we were making friends with bands in like just Vancouver, Washington, and, you know, just like trying to, yeah, it just like I was starting to feel like that rhythm of everything and like learning about how things can like grow in that way. Got it. And when you're playing in Portland, like what venues are you playing? Are you playing like DIY spaces or what was around yeah, at the time? We were playing at Backspace a lot. Like everybody joked that we were like the the Backspace house band. Um, and I don't know if it was quite when we were like if we played at Laughing Horse, but it was like right as the Laughing Horse thing was starting to happen, which was all pretty significant for us. But I think that that was like more in like the next era of us all playing music. Um, and we were playing at Satyricon a lot. Like I played my first show with my, with like an actual band at Satyricon when it reopened and they were doing all ages shows, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, mostly that. And then like some, you know, it would be DIY spots like people's houses and, uh, like galleries and stuff, coffee shops, like basically anything. Um, and then what was the first i mean you just made mention like recording better what so was that a band that you all were like doing um like four track recording kind of a thing or how were you recording yeah we did a lot of i don't know if it was like a four track but Caleb had one of those like task cam things that i still i was just talking about how they're still like a hilarious mystery to me i know that if i just like sat down and like watched a video on how to use them i could but i have like such intense ADD that sometimes I like can't finish reading the instructions and I've just never figured out how to make them work. It's like so stupid, but yeah, yeah. we have one of those and we would just hang out in my parents' garage um, and record stuff all the time. Honestly, like my fondest memories of being in that band was like us just like being creative at my parents' house and um, recording stuff on that and like listening to it back. There was a couple of situations where it's like we won like a, I'm trying to think if this is the right 
memory, but like we won a battle of the bands thing and then like got some recording time and recorded for like a day somewhere. Um, but none of it was very intentional. All of my, all of my ideas around recording didn't start really like coming, becoming like a focused thing until after that band, but it was all just like, yeah, trying out stuff. It was all just brand new. It sounds like you took to recording though. Like it was something that excited you. Is that fair to say? Yeah. It's like, I, there's a lot of things that are my favorite part, but I think when like a group of people are all, like I was just talking about this last night because we had practice last night, but uh, when a group of people are all kind of like immersed in something like that, it's just when art and being creative makes the most sense. It's like everything else makes feels fun in different ways. But I think that when that's happening, I'm like, oh, we're like really making this thing and feeling connected and like vulnerable in this way that I'm super drawn to. That makes sense. Was uh, So when that band dissolved, uh, how many how many projects were between that and then Alien Boy starting? Was there quite a few? Yeah, I was in so many bands. Um, I played drums in this band called Our First Brains. That was, again, me and Caleb and Derek and our friend Ben. That was like, basically, we had like just heard Joyce Manor and honestly, Touche too. And we're like, this is what we're doing now. <laughs> just like oh. before. I've said that so many times when I was like, we just like pivoted and we were like, we were confused before, but we are clear now. We're going to sound exactly like Joyce Manor and it's going to be awesome. Oh, <laughs> and, that's sick. Uh, it was really fun. Like that was, uh, that was like the, the other big one. Um, Cause we were all really, really invested in that band. And like, that is the band that I like started actually touring with. And we like, went to go record with Alex Estrada. We recorded one of our records with him too. And actually that was like our first like real recording experience um, where we like, I think we were with him for like four or five days or something like that. And we went to California and then we toured back. Um, But then aside from that, there's lots to say with the Our First Brains thing, but I played drums in a band called Little Star. I played drums in a band called Floating Room. I played drums in a band called Perfume V. Like anybody, bass in this band, your rival, like all of this stuff. All this big Portland stuff. I I mean, I always make a, a dumb joke that if you find a, dr- you know, like if you become a drummer, you're sort of the friend with the pickup where it's like people are going to always want to ask you because there's not a lot Definitely. of drummers around and not a lot of reliable drummers. So I know, I know. And I think that I've, I've gotten to the point that Alien Boy has been a thing for so long that at the, they've forgotten. So I'm finally like, oh, I can relax. <laughs> Is there any part of you that misses playing drums in bands? Though? Yes, of course. Of course. I'm saying this now so that everybody listens to it and is like, oh, shit. <laughs> Sony's trying to play drums. No, I really want to play drums in like a heavy band again. It's like, I feel like, a, or not again. I never really did. But something that's like a little bit more like, like hardcore or something like that. Just I don't like I need to get like in general. super ripped again and just like play like some gnarly shit. That's what I want to do. Today's episode is brought to you by Anchorfish Printing. Hey, are you in a band? Do you run a label or maybe you just want to make some merch for fun? You should hit up Anchorfish Printing. They've been taking care of bands for over 15 years. I first met the owner, Michael, when my band Touche Amore started, and he was our go-to guy. You can visit what they have to offer over at anchorfishprinting.com. You can hit them up for all your merch needs, whether it's screen printing, embroidery, or maybe you just need some stickers. Mention the first ever podcast and get 10% off your order. So you play drums in the band that recorded with Alex Estrada. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's awesome. How, uh, so that was it. So you kind of mentioned that was like your first real like studio recording experience. And that would have been at Earth Capital, obviously. Um, was that, was that just like a really fun time coming down to California and like, you know, staying put in LA for like five days and knocking that out? Yeah. It was really fun. It was really like, we just had no idea what we were doing. Like we went down there and we were like, oh shit, we don't have anywhere to stay. We don't understand how far away everything is. Like everything just became like a really funny, like we didn't really think this through, but we're still having a good time and we're not going to have any money left after this, but it will be fine. (laughs) Like we're just going to kind of roll with it. Um, But it was, yeah, I just had no idea what to expect and it was really fun. I definitely had like a humbling moment where I feel like I went in there thinking that I was going to be like hot shit. And then I was like, Oh shit, I'm like playing to a click. And I like really have to like make this happen right now. And I pulled it off, but I definitely was like, okay, like I gotta, I'm like thought that I was in this spot, but I do want to kind of go to that next level where I can like do this really comfortably and have this be a situation that feels really comfortable and good for me. Um, But yeah, it was really fun. He has like so many great ideas and, I think that having him do that record, like I I love how it turned out. I think it was like so cool and fun. There was other like kind of interpersonal dramas happening at the time that colored the experience, but overall, yeah, I thought it was so great. Yeah. That's not a studio that uh, welcomes um, uh, if there's interpersonal drama, because it is tiny. It is a a claustrophobic space. It was so hot too. And it was a lot of like, like us being like, oh, we don't know where so-and-so went. Like, he's not coming back. He's not answering his phone. Like, and us just being in that spot. Like, it was, uh, yeah, really, really funny. It's like just that, like, 20-year-old drama, you know, where it was, like, totally not something I could ever see going down in that way. But we were all, like, so just, like, vibrating on being excited and, like, having all of these things go on in our life that everything, every decision just felt so huge. Sure. And you're all just like uh, feeling the pressure. <laughs> and honestly, it's like cool that you did that with Alex as well, though, because uh, I mean, I- I'm just going to assume that you probably found Alex because he did the Joyce Manor record. He did oh, our first yes. record, things like that. So like, yes, uh, but it's awesome because Alex was pretty inexpensive for like what he oh, yeah. does. Like, especially, yeah. I mean, that was always the thing with Alex where it was just like, you can make you make records sound so good and like you're so patient and you have such a good ear for things and all of this like you have so much to offer but like man are you inexpensive and he just never really wanted to change that which is like bless his heart like that's pretty cool like it made it so so cool a lot of younger bands could go make a ep with him or go make a record Mm -hmm. with him or a demo or whatever and it was affordable but yeah it's wild he he recently earth i don't know if you know earth capital is now gone and he got a new spot um i like, saw the pictures like an hour and away. i was like i kind of want to go <laughs> same yeah same. it seems so dreamy anything like that like the kind of what am i trying to say i think just going back to how much i connect to those kinds of experiences when i like see somebody being able to like grow into a place like that where you just like know that so much fun shit is gonna happen and so much like amazing music is gonna come out of that i just saw it and got so excited that's super cool. Yeah. I mean, he's he's still to this day like one of the most reliable people. Like every anytime Touche goes to do a new record, we'll record the entire record with Alex first. We'll like really? do all pre Yeah, we do all pre-production with him just to cuz also like um I know you were playing drums, but I don't know if if you're 
I'm assuming the person who's saying the band noticed, but like Alex has like perfect pitch. So like, yeah, if you're, tr- if you're trying to sing, like he is so patient and like, will yeah. guide you through stuff and like his patience and his help through that stuff for me throughout the years has been just like uh, unbelievable. I listened to you and Barry talking about that and the other podcast. And ever since then, I have been thinking about hitting him up for the next thing. Cause I think that that is really just that it's such a good asset to have. It's like something that I feel like I don't think about. And it's like, as somebody who, yeah, like I wasn't really, this is the first band that I ever sang in ever. And I went from going like, put my vocals all the way down in the mix under the guitars to now like having it super in front and like super, super poppy. There's still like so many growing pains getting there. And yeah, I like really heard that when you guys were talking about that. And I was like, that is like a really, really good point. Something that I'm super interested in. Oh yeah. I I was just talking to somebody, uh, another, uh, another music friend about, cause, cause he was sort of talking to me about, um, you know, that aspect of like, sometimes it's hard like when especially if you're fronting the band where you might be recording with a friend who just thinks your band is cool or like something like that but doesn't they're not maybe fully invested in paying attention to you like hitting the notes properly and then your band isn't necessarily fully invested either because they're just like you know they don't know what they don't really know that stuff either so so it's nice to have someone be very focused and like actually guide you and help you and be like no 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 and be yeah. and the patience is so patience and kindness are like the two most I know. important things i know and it's like i have that with somebody here i don't know if it's, it's like kind of jumping ahead but we did the last two alien boy records with nick wilbur at the unknown and anacortis which is like our like special spot we're like about to make a actually take a trip to do pre-production there um in November, I think just because we were like, this is where we feel creative the best. It's where we have to go. Um, But my dynamic with him is like, so, so, so sweet. And he is like, so helpful for me doing going through all of the vocal stuff. But there is that kind of like, I think that I can tell in the way that the vocals have turned out that Alex has done that he just does have that little like extra thing. Um, that like extra detail. Because it's also like, it's like when I'm doing the vocals, when I was doing the vocals for that record, it was like, I listened to them and I was like, oh my God, you did it. It sounds good. Great. And then you listen to it like a couple months later and you're like, oh, but that one thing still sounds kind of weird. And I didn't notice it because I was like listening to the guitar or I just got whatever. I need somebody to be really strict with me, I think. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it can't, you know, I mean, it's it's it doesn't come without frustration. You know, those things do happen yeah. where it's like, you're just doing a take, you're doing a take, you're doing a take. And every time you hear, you're still a little sharp. You're still yeah. a little sharp. I remember like, him saying that still. I was like, I would be sitting listening to them all do it. And I'd be like, damn, he's laying yeah. it down. But honestly, that record, the Arthur Spring record sounds so good. And it was before I had any idea what I really wanted it to sound like, other than that I wanted it to sound real. Like I was like, I want it to sound like a real thing. And I feel like we got it back. It was like, we weren't trying to do anything crazy. It was pretty like standard setup you know, we'd like double things, but it wasn't like the alien boy, like crazy guitar shit that we're trying to do now. Um, But it was like easy to mix it. It came back and I was like, it sounds like my favorite band's records done. Like it was so easy. That's super cool. Was that a release put out on a label or was that like, were you self-releasing or? It was put out on a Portland label called uh, Good Cheer. I almost said get better because it sounds the same. That's our label now. Good Cheer Records, um, which was a label that my friend Mo and this person Blake were doing for a while here that was just like all Portland bands. 
Um, it wasn't huge, but they did like a tape run for us. Um, and we're putting out all the other bands that I was in at the time too, which is yeah, like Floating Room and Little Star and Your Rival and all of this stuff. Very cool. Very cool. Um, okay, so let's let's go to Alien Boy now that we've 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 delved all the way all the way back. Um, so so then what was what do you think it was for you that made you comfortable with the idea of stepping up front and putting on a guitar and and singing? I was not comfortable, but I was frustrated that all of the bands that I was in were not taking it seriously enough and that I didn't feel like I had enough control. It was like the Our First Brains was kind of thing start, was starting to unravel too. And I was like, this is seriously what I want to do in my life. And if I don't ever go all in in something, I just am going to like hold so much like resentment forever. I was like, I just have to do it. And I can't like wait to be asked to play in somebody's band who wants to do it and like kind of be their backup or whatever. I was just like, this has to happen. And I'm going to be the only person who can make it happen. Um, and at that same, it was like a pretty big transitional time for me too, where I was like kind of going through this intense, like heartbreak feeling and had started to kind of write songs, but was not confident in them. I just knew that I wanted something that I had control over. Um, and then me and Derek kind of started practicing like in secret cause I didn't want anybody to know cause I was so nervous about it. And we did that for probably like six months or something like that before we played our first show. That was just the two of us. It was just a two piece show. Wow. I like yeah. that the uh the genesis of Alien Boy was was spite. Yes, it was spite. Yes. You can hear it. You can hear it in the songs. I feel like it's all pretty clear. We were like, yeah, running through. We were like just having guitar practice last night and I was like cuz I could like really just hear myself singing all the stuff cuz we were trying to really focus on what all the guitars were doing and I was like these songs are I am just like it's all right there. They can just hear everything I'm thinking and feeling all the time. <laughs> um, how did you take to say like writing lyrics? Was that something that came naturally? Like, had you been writing lyrics in the past? I hadn't been, really been writing lyrics in the past. I feel like I had maybe tried to write, like I could count on one hand, like songs before I started writing the songs that became our first EP. Um, and I don't really remember what they were like. They were all just kind of like, just what I was feeling. Like I, you know, obviously being inspired by like, I had a new set of inspirations at that time too, which is more like the replacements and like the Smiths and my bloody Valentine and the wipers and stuff like that. Um, but again, it was still like that kind of Joyce Manor, Tiger's Jaw emo thing that was like the easiest for me to kind of like just start with right off the bat. Like I was like, I just want something that I can connect to right now. Um, and sure. was just kind of like trying to think melodically. Um, but yeah, with lyrics, I don't know. I've, I have had times in my life where I've tried to kind of intentionally try different things, but for the most part, it's kind of just like right there. Like it's just how it comes out. And then I like, I'm trying to like not much extra, you know? Sure. Um, and then what was the first, so then what was like the first like full band alien boy show? Like, and what was that like? That's a good question. I, that time was like, so that day on the first show that me and Derek played together, my friend Mac 
hit me up and was like, do you guys want a bass player? And I was like, you're exactly who I wanted to have play bass. This is great. <laughs> I was like putting this energy out to you. Thank you for giving it back. Um, and then we started playing shows as a three piece, but I actually can't remember what the first show we all played together was. It was like, we were playing a lot of houses. We were playing at Blackwater a lot. We were playing at the Anaris info shop, like in St. John's Portland. Um, and then it was like at the same time, we were recording our first EP. I actually think we finished it before we played that first show, which was just like me and Caleb and Derek recording at night, like every Wednesday for like two months or something like that. My work would just let us go in after after hours and like let us use the space to record. Um, but then it was like Caleb was already kind of involved because he had been recording it. And then eventually he was like, I do want to play guitar in this band too. So then it ended up being the four of us for a while. Um, but it hasn't really been until like the last like year or so. There's been so many different people that have played in it. It's basically just been me and Derek the whole time and like kind so, of Caleb. Would you say that the band started in like 2015? Like, yeah, is that, yeah. Is that, yeah. So, so when you say the first EP, is that the never getting over it mm-hmm. release? Okay. Yeah. Which, yeah, it. we would record it all that before we played a show. When we did the Stay Alive EP, that was actually me and Derek and Mac and Caleb playing the songs. But the Never Getting Over It thing was very, it was like mostly me like doing everything. Derek played drums, but I played everything else on it. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and then a couple of years, well, two years later or something, you did the uh, the Sleeping Lessons record, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's the one you recorded with uh, the person you just recently mentioned that you're going to go record with again, right? Yeah. Where did that yeah. relationship start? Um, I had gone up there with Floating Room to record uh, the False Baptism EP that I did with them. Um, and we had a great time. And I really connected with that guy. And we were trying to figure out how we were going to record our first full length, knowing that we wanted it to be like, uh, we wanted to have like a couple, like some time and we wanted to really make it like a big thing. Um, and then as soon as I was done, I was like, hey, I really loved recording with you. Like, I would love to come back for like, I think we did it in like four or five days or something like that. Um, okay. And then I, we did it in July of 2017. And it was, yeah, one of the, like, yeah, just one of the, it was a really, really great experience. And uh, that record came out on Tiny Engines, which is obviously a label from the East Coast. Um, how did that relationship start? Like, how did, uh, did, did you send the, the previous record to them? Did they reach out to you? Uh, they reached out to us because they had just put out a record by one of my best friend band, Strange Ranger. Um, mm-hmm. They put out Damon and they like lived in Portland at the time. Uh, and they were on tour and they met up with Chuck from Tiny Engines and they were having breakfast or something, lunch. And uh, they were like, do you know of any bands that are like doing anything cool? And they were like, yeah, you should hit up Alien Boy. They just recorded a new record. Um, and then they emailed us and I was like, thank you so much. This is so much easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, and he was into it. And then it just kind of like, uh, it just happened. We didn't really have anybody else that we, uh, could shop the label to. Cause I just like, didn't really have those connections. So we kind of just went with the first thing. Sure. And was that, uh, is that the first time that your record was on vinyl? Or had we your... did a seven-inch run for Stay Alive, but it was oh, like true. pretty small. Yeah, true. Was that self-released? It was released through Good Cheer, but Good Cheer was starting to like kind of crumble, and they told us that they would do the seven-inch, which is why we recorded it. And then 
they were like, we can't, we're only going to do tapes, but we recorded, they was like five songs. So it would fit on a seven inch. And we were like, we're just going to do it ourselves. So this was like the point. Um, so kind yeah. of on good cheer, but not really. What is, uh, is having your music on vinyl? Was that something that excited you at all? Or were you, are you kind of more of a cassette person? I'm a huge vinyl person. Me and Derek, Derek, uh, who, yeah, I keep talking about drummer. He lives in my house with me and everybody jokes that we both have like the biggest vinyl collections out of everyone we know. And when we have to move, it's like a pain in the ass. Cause they're like, fuck you guys, all of these records. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you quickly start, uh, thinking about all of your life choices. Uh, yeah. I mean, once, I'm sure for you, you too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just like, I, when you, am I gonna listen to these again? Like, are they just here so I can be surrounded by them? Like, I don't know what. And I like, I, I am. I do want to be surrounded by them. I know that's important to me. But every time I move, I'm just like, this seems crazy. All of the music is oh. on the Spotify. That's why we have technology now. Yeah, but I just this don't roll on like my that. Phone. I know yeah. it doesn't. I don't roll like that, and I never will. Yeah, no, same. Uh, I we had to. I just moved, we like last time was just literally moving bed, like, cause we have a two bedroom here and it was, this all used to be in the next bedroom and even just moving from room to room was just fucking yeah. Just yeah. awful. Just awful. Every time I like, every single time I move, I'm like, I'm going to keep my records alphabetized so I can just put them back in, but I get frustrated halfway through and I just throw them everywhere and then I have to reorganize them and it takes forever and my room is like completely blown up and yeah my girlfriend is like why 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 i don't even ever see you listening to these and i'm like i do i swear i listen to them uh, <laughs> yep 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 no I, but this yeah is all, all very relatable um yeah i i kind of yeah i thought that you might be able to understand um but yeah so we were all pushing we were pushing for the vinyl thing big time we really 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 wanted it it is really interesting now that it it's gotten to the point as as a band where it just seems obvious. But before that first record came out, I was like, we're never going to find somebody who wants to put us out on vinyl. And if we don't get put out on vinyl, we're never going to be a real band, you know? It is. I mean, that's kind of why I like asking that question now and again is because it does feel permanent in some sort of way. Like, no, absolutely no disrespect to cassette tapes because I also like cassette tapes. I have a close, I have a bit of a cassette cassette tape collection as well. But <clears throat> cassettes feel very, um, again, no disrespect, but it feel they feel a little more disposable because they're so easy to make, you know, and not everybody has them. Definitely, and easy to break. Totally, all I break my cassettes all the time. Yeah. They get eaten and like destroyed and melted and all that crap. Yeah, one thousand percent. So like, there's something about getting your getting to hold your music on a on a record the first time that is like so thrilling because it does feel like this very permanent yeah. thing that you have in front of you, and the art is expanded, like all of that sort of stuff. It's super exciting. Um, so. Once that record on Tiny Engines came out, though, did the band start? Did you do like a full U.S. tour? Yeah, we did. We did a full U.S. tour right after we recorded it. And then we did a full U.S. tour right after we put it out. So like two years in a row. Wow. We did like a six week full U.S. tour that like I booked. And how did it go? Um, and they were awesome. They were awesome. I mean, it was still like, uh, it's not like we had like a huge moment, but it was like, those tours were really important for me understanding that that's like what I loved to do. 
Um, cause I was like, these shows are all like, like some of them are awesome. Some of them are weird, but it is really just about like, I love doing this and I love hanging out with my friends in this way. And I love seeing the world. Um, and I love seeing what other like community music communities are like. Um, and it just like dug a groove into my brain as like being my, just my favorite thing. Was there any locations that surprised you? Like how you just mentioned, like, uh, seeing, seeing kind of other music communities and stuff like that. Was there any specific places stood out to you? Yeah, we played like a cool show in like Champaign, Illinois, and like Columbus, Ohio. And I'm trying to think like it was a while ago now, but, um, you know, something that I think is really sweet. Oh, like, um, what is it? Flagstaff, Arizona, that kind of stuff. Sure. Like, uh, where you'd be like, damn, we just played this like weird show in LA. I thought that we were supposed to play in LA. And then you go to like, just this spot that you were like, Hey, can you guys play here? And we're like, yeah, sure. I guess. And it like totally popped off learning that that is kind of how it goes sometimes yeah. I think was really yeah. interesting. Um, and then, so this, uh, the last record, which is came out in 2020, right? Mm, That's when it was. Time is so weird. It is weird. It was 2021. Yes. It okay. was. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, like about to be a year old. Okay, got it. And you did that on Get Better, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, I've had Alex on the show. I'm a, I'm a big Alex fan. I'm a big Alex fan. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I had the pleasure of hanging out with Alex. Um, they came on tour with uh, Empath. Uh, and it was like La Dispute Touche Empath tour. That so is... Oh, on they talked to me about that. I forgot. Yeah, they said all oh, you guys were really nice. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, uh, I, Alex and I definitely really hit it off on that. And, um, so, you know, anytime get better, put something out, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm paying attention and I'm stoked just because, you know, I think that, um, they have their ear to the ground in like a really cool way. Um, Agreed. how did that relationship start? Um, I emailed them when I had just like, honestly, the worst demos in retrospect I have ever put to SoundCloud. Like, I will never do that again. But I, because we were supposed to record that record in 2020, March of 2020, and then everything happened. And then we didn't end up recording it until January 2021. And I basically like stopped. I didn't work on the record from then to then. There was like maybe two or three things that changed in how we were going to record it um, in that year time. But I think I was hitting them up as early as like, yeah, uh, like January or February of 2020 with like being like, Hey, we're, you know, just dealt with this like tiny engines crumbly thing. Like we are supposed to be in a two record deal with them, but we're looking for other labels to put it out. Cause this is obviously not going to happen. And like, everything is so sketchy and bad. Um, and was hitting up a bunch of labels and they hit me back and they were like, yeah, we're super interested. And then I sent them the demos and like never heard back from them. Um, and then <laughs> sent them the like rough mixes and they were like, Oh shit. Yeah, we're in. And then I remember talking to Alex on the phone and they were like, yeah, those demos just didn't really sound anything like the record. And I was like, I know, I'm so sorry. I just like was trying to get together something that would maybe entice someone. But I think I did the opposite on accident. <laughs> it's I, I understand that that knee jerk reaction you're having, though, because you want you know, you're excited. You want people to hear it, all of that sort of stuff. But um, there's so many times where like, you know, someone I might befriend or or something like that, that like might play in a band, they'll they'll say like, oh, let me send you the record. It's not mixed yet. I'm like, no, like, I don't no, like, like, send me send me the thing. Like, I don't want to hear the thing until it's like until it's 
at least mixed. Like you don't have to master it, but at least mix the thing. Because a hundred percent, a hundred percent, I feel that way now, and have learned from being on the other side. Where yeah, I just you know get so excited, and I feel like there was like some things on there that were like kind of reminiscent enough of something that would have sounded like the record, but there was just so much like <laughs> I just I'm never gonna listen to them ever again. I'm gonna erase it from my brain. Yeah, it's just too much, but a learning experience nonetheless. And then. They hit me back and they were like, we're in. And we tried to like talk to some other labels. And I was just like, these guys are so sick. I love everything that they're about. I connect with Alex so much. Um, there's no reason. Like, this is obviously so perfect. I like do not need sure. to like, wait and try to play the game or whatever. This is just what we should do. And it was amazing. It was like such a supportive. I've never felt more supported by anybody in my whole life than I did by them. Uh, trying to do that maybe not my whole life in my whole music life <laughs> i feel that i feel yeah. that um and then the record so i mean that's that's the first time i had heard of the band like uh them i mean between between the get better get better things and then all of a sudden it was getting a lot of good you know coverage and things like that um and uh so how did how did you feel like once the record finally came out like did it did it exceed your expectations and all that sort of stuff yeah it did it was really, I, I went into recording, I was so proud of Sleeping Lessons that when we went to record this record, I was really freaked out because I was like, I just don't think it's as good. Like, I don't know what oh. I think, but I was like, just so nervous. And on I, I when the, like the beginning of the pandemic was happening too, I think it just gave me way too much time to overthink the whole thing. Um, and I kind of just like distanced myself from it too, because I was just trying to think about all of the other crazy stuff that was happening. And I remember being in the studio being like, you guys, I just don't know if these songs are good. I don't know if they're good. And they were like, they are good. It's chill. And I was like, I'm not sure. But then getting that response from Alex and get better, getting the response from all the singles and having it come out and just feel like so much better than I ever anticipated. It just like completely re-energized me to the whole situation. It was like really, really special to me that that all happened the way that it did. I feel like that's a really great learning lesson that uh, happens for a lot of us where you, for one reason or another, it might be anxiety, it might be uh, self-consciousness, it might be all sorts of different things like set in where you become very unsure of the art you're making, but you have people around you saying, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, this, yeah. like, like tr just trust that it's okay. And then when outsiders hear it that first time and then you see the super positive reaction, it's very... It's jarring and life affirming, but at the same time confusing because you're like, wait, I thought that, wait, yeah, okay. 100%. That's exactly like the exact right way to put it. Where you're like, of course, I am happy that this is happening, but what is happening in my brain that's making me not be able to like engage with this in the same way? And yeah, is it just, yeah, like low self esteem, like uh, something like that, or just taking it so seriously because I really never thought that like I would get to the point with this band where I felt that confident to make a record that sounded like that. So every step along the way has been like a huge growing experience for me. Um, just, yeah, like being really shy, not feeling like I ever wanted to be in the front, doing it anyway, still doing it anyway, getting like comfortable doing it and then getting really comfortable doing it. It's been like a long road. And I just think that there's still like 
sometimes I just look at what's happening and I'm like, how did you get here? What is going on? Like, were you here? Are you present? You know? Yeah. So what's the story with the newest single the, the, the band put out? Wondering still? Yeah. Um, we, I wrote that song last fall. We demoed it in our house, Alien Boy HQ. We were all really excited about it. And uh, we were about to go on that tour with Soft Kill that we did. We were hoping that it was going to come out during that, but then it obviously ended up getting kicked down the line to like July. Um, but we were all just so excited about it. And I showed it to Alex and I was like, do you, I guess, no, actually they hit me back and they were like, I think you should just record this right now and put it out. And I was like, honestly, I'm down. Like we're not really close to having enough stuff to put to put a new record together. And honestly, it might end up being on the new record anyway. Um, but I, we were all just really excited about it. I was listening to a lot of Third Eye Blind. I feel like it sounds like Third Eye Blind and like Everclear or something like that. But it was just like a, a, yeah, I think the energy around it, we were just so excited that we just wanted to put it out as soon as possible. We recorded sure. at my, my friend's new studio, Frankie. He like just opened a really cool studio and he said that he would do like a single for us for free. Our friend Andy and Andy engineered it. Um, and I think that it sound, I was just like really impressed with how it all came together. It was a real rush job, but, uh, I, yeah, I love that song. I think it kicks out. Very cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's great. It's great. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, well, shit, I can hit you with the last question, which is when was the first time that you felt like you were doing the thing you'd been working so hard towards? Okay. I've been thinking about this a lot and there's definitely like a couple of moments, uh, across the, across the time that we've been a band. And actually, last minute, I'm changing my answer. I had one answer, but I'm changing my answer. Last year, or uh, we randomly got asked to open for Portugal the Man at Edgefield, which is like a 7,000-cap amphitheater venue. And it was right after we played. I think it was like these two things happening right back to back. But we played our record release for Don't Know What I Am. It sold out. It was like the first show that big that we've ever played, headlined. And it sold out. And then right after that, we got asked to do the Portugal Demand thing, which is like, you know, that's not where I ever even imagined my band to be at all. It was like not in the cards at all for me. But getting to that situation, playing that huge show and feeling like we could all handle it, like we didn't get nervous. And we were like, we got this. I was like, we're good. Like, this is surpassed any and all of my expectations now. And I'm excited to have new expectations and things that I'm excited about too. Um, but I was like, we put out that record. Our community really loves it. And we're being like asked to do these things that are just completely beyond the scope that I ever could have possibly imagined. It's like, this has to be it, right? <laughs> That's incredible. Did that show happen already? Yeah, that show happened. The the record release show. Well, it was like what? Well, the it, the Portugal Man show. Yeah, it was a couple weeks after. Yeah. Oh, so okay. It was like okay. last fall, and it was super last minute. They had just been kind of hitting us up on Instagram, being like, "We really like your band, and we're playing at Edgefield." And then this guy hit me up, and they were like, "They need local support," and I was like, "Oh yeah, duh, we'll do it." Like, it's not a band that I've ever really thought about before, but they were all super nice, and they were like, "Sure." It was just un. I think I sometimes forget that it even happened. It was yeah. just so wild. Um, but yeah, it just felt like, you know, that it's like my brother came down for that show because my whole family was like, oh, so this is like 
this is like this is a big happening. deal happening yeah there was something yeah. happening and I was like I guess so it was just so cool and seeing everybody like really own that situation really confidently I think was just so beautiful and cool and then we went into that the tour afterwards and I was like this is the I'm not feeling as like shaky I'm just like this is where we're supposed to be and I feel like confident in us doing this and like uh confident in myself and it just feels right right now which is cool perfect way to end this thank you so much that was great yeah. thank, thank you thank you so much Thanks for, for hanging me. out with it was me great talking to you and meeting you so cool for Hell me yeah. honestly <laughs> And that's our show. Thank you so much to Sonia Weber for coming on and talking to me. And thank you for listening. Reminder, there is a bonus episode available right now where Sonia answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. Head on over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon to hear that now. And hey, if you haven't subscribed to the show on Spotify or Apple or wherever it is you're listening to this, please do so. Leaving a positive rating and review helps oh so much. And it means the world to me. I will see you next Wednesday with another brand new episode. Take care. Be good. Bye-bye.